Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I just want to point out what a load of BS it is that this is the episode Ryan decides to miss. I don't know if it, I would say he decided to miss, but he had to miss. It's still, he's it's just g- he's getting his his uh, his end of life experience on a cruise right now. I'm getting my end of life experience right now too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this is what dying feels like. I am functioning on maybe seven hours of sleep since Thursday. I can say I, last night I went to bed at <laughs> I went to bed at like eleven thirty. And then I woke up at, since it's, well, what time do I say? Since it's daylight savings. Oh, so an hour. I technically woke up at 10, but it really was 9. So I'm, uh, I overslept. I went to bed at 12 and woke up at 2 and woke up at 4 and woke up at 6 and woke up at 8. Hey, that's part of the, the gig. That's what you get for having children. Children, God, the fact that's a plural sounds weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's pretty sweet. Did I even tell you guys that uh, we Crystal was supposed to be induced and that never ended up happening? Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah she just—it just, it just ha- we waited so long. It just happened. It just she just went naturally. Nature took its course. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who are listening, have clued in. Uh, I'm now a father of two. How uh, how long were you guys there? Uh, we checked into so like contractions started at like eight thirty in the morning for her. Okay. Uh, we checked into the hospital about 3 p.m. on Thursday, so literally two hours before we were supposed to take Mika trick-or-treating, because nice. timing. Uh, my dad took her. She's still happy. Uh, and then he was born at 1.43 in the morning that oh, night. Is that that seems long. That It was shorter than it was Mika. Mika was 24 hours. He was seven, 17 hours total. Jesus. Uh, and then, yeah, we got discharged super early Saturday morning. Oh, Do you know they quick. It was pretty quick. Well, they they got to keep you for at least twenty four hours because they at exactly twenty four hours is when they run a whole bunch of blood tests on the babies. Okay. And because he was born at one forty three in the morning, they ran all the tests at two in the morning the next day. So we had to stay up. Oh, great for those Excellent. tests. Yeah, and then of course you know kid gets a needle. He's not thrilled after. So we didn't get down till about four in the morning that night, and yeah. then woke up at like seven. To get the hell out of there. Yep. That's all about the self-sacrifice of parenthood. It is. Want to know my favorite part about this, though? So when I posted on Twitter um, that the baby was here, our listeners immediately went to his dra- what his draft year was. And oh, the, God. And the impressive part about that is most people would just take the year plus 18 and assume his draft year would be 2037. Oh, my God. But it's, be old. No- but it's not. It's 2038 because he's a late birthday and almost everybody caught on to that. Excellent. We have an people informed, are paying attention. We have a we have a an informed fan base. So twenty thirty eight NHL draft. Henrik John Crisco. Keep your ears to the ground. There's the solution to our center problems. In, oh yeah. In nineteen years, we'll have already gone through a full cycle of players at that point. You know what's funny though to think about? Who's the youngest player in the Red Wings system right now that'll probably make it? Cider. Yeah. So he he might still be playing then. That's wild. Because if he makes it that long, he will be 37. Yeah. That'd be weird. Yeah, that would be super strange. 
Anyways, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Luke Wikowski. Oh. The only sorry. team that's willing to hire him for some pocket lint is our podcast. <laughs> All right, so before we get started, uh, I just want to let everybody know that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is sponsored by Labatt. Celebrate with the Labatt Blue and the Detroit Red Wings all season long. Find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer to hashtag Cellion with Labatt Blue. It's important that you Cellion with Labatt Blue because last night there was no Cellion with the Detroit Red Wings. Labatt Blue keeping us in check. Keep your eyes peeled for limited edition Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light team cans. Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings. Well, Ryan's uh, slowly losing all his jobs on this podcast. I have to do all of them, and my brain's functioning at about 10% capacity right now. So there's a very real chance we're not even recording right now. What do we even need Ryan for at this point? He gave us all the instructions. Uh, you did a better ad read than him. I don't know what he's what his purpose is anymore. Uh, I need someone to yell at about offside. Fair enough. Yeah, because I think me and you are on the common sense side of that train, and Ryan's here to be the contradictory voice. It's true, but you can't do that today because I agree with you. Um, so what do we want to talk about? We need to talk about those last two games. I'm okay. Because they I'm were good. bad. Fun fact, I watched the Carolina game in a hospital room on data on my cell phone why i don't know because <laughs> henrik was sleeping crystal was in and out and i had nothing else to do i was sitting in the corner of a hospital room all by my damn self i mean they don't have unreal wi-fi at hospitals uh they have really good wi-fi it would have cost us like 25 dollars oh, that's for per day uh, i was like for like three days or something like that oh I guess that's not terrible. I have unlimited data though, so. Oh, that's also not bad then. Yeah, uh, so I just I just added that sob up, and you know what I wish I had did instead? Anything else? Yes, exactly. That game was atrocious. So on the Friday night game, uh, the Red Wings have played twice since we've last recorded. They lost seven to three to the Carolina Hurricanes and four to nothing for the floor to the Florida Panthers. My oh, my boy. math says that's not good. Are you team tank or are you team win? Um, I'm team tank. For then sure. you're thrilled. Yeah, but I still don't like watching getting pumped by everybody. I would like at least you know a competitive like three two game, not four nothing meaningless hockey and and then a seven three drubbing. I think that's what we actually have to start talking about here. Isn't the fact that the Red Wings lost to, or the fact that the Red Wings are losing a lot because they've lost, what, eight of nine games or nine of ten or something absurd like that? <laughs> it's been a lot. <laughs> it's been bad. But it's not just that they're losing. As uh, as our friend Max Boltman of The Athletic pointed out, the Red Wings have played 15 games this year. In seven of those games, they have lost by four or more goals. That would indicate to me that we are uncompetitive. And what's the one thing the Red Wings needed to be this year? Not uncompetitive. I, it's good timing that our entire a good chunk of our last episode was whether or not Blashill's job should be safe. Because uh, more people than just us are talking about it now. He is on the hottest 
of seats at the moment from yeah. how it would appear to the outside world. Yeah, the way I look at coaches and their the the temperature of their seats are we've talked about it in length about Blashill. It basically comes down to not if we're winning or losing and our perceived wins that we this team should have. It's are we competitive or not? Because we know this team is bad and we feel for Jeff Blashill having a crappy hand dealt to him. Um but you still gotta get the players up to be competitive, win or lose. And then there's the other case where you look at a team like New Jersey and you expect a lot more from a team like that. So that's where I gauge my temperature. And right now, Jeff Blashill's seat is almost too hot to the touch. But maybe it's not. We can we we have no idea what happens behind closed doors. Um, but I, I it's got to be. We have one win in like a month. Ryan, Ryan's tinfoil hat theory that he goes on and on about is this is what Eisenman wanted. But Eisenman, by what he wanted, is a whole lot of losing and a high draft pick. But there's no way he could want this, right? There's His hands are tied. We we have contracts we can't really... Well, Lucha just got traded, so... Um, but I'll still say we have some anchor contracts that really tie his hands. And he's stuck with what he's got. He's kind of just like Jeff Blashell. <laughs> Oh, man. So, the game itself on Friday night. Anthony and Mantha got two goals. And Athanasiu looked great. Yeah. that uh, The bang-bang goal for Mantha was all on the hard work of Athanasiu. And the, his turn he made to beat two defender was was disgusting. That's what he's good at. He- you, you like to see things like that. If he's not scoring, you like to see moments like that. Now, outside of that moment and those two playing well, the that's other, it. That was it. <laughs> See the you later. <laughs> rest of the game was an unmitigated disaster. Um, the score looked a little generous to Carolina, air quotations, because Carolina got an empty netter, but who cares? 6 3 and 7 3 aren't too different. <laughs> Blashell pulling the goalie with four minutes left, although I agree with that strategy when you're down by that much. Yeah, like if you pull him with a minute and a half left, you're not getting three. How are you going to get that many goals? The Red Wings haven't got three goals all season, I'm pretty sure. From what? In total. It feels like that. Well, other than Mantha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you take out Mantha, this the team The team has... has not, but one player has. Oh, did you see um, there was a stat. I forget who posted it, but I was looking at it. It was percentage of primary points on the team's total amount of goals. Sure. So who is the most? Mantha was fifth in the league. Larkin was like 12th. Oh, God. So the entire team's offense is running through those two right now. And Bertuzzi's up there for points, but he has a few more secondary assists than those two do. So this is going to be a long season. Oh, my God. But we we knew this is exactly how it's playing out right now. We start, we knew this team was one line at best, and it's very much illustrated so far this season. I do think that something's going to come, though, because. Like, in terms of what? a, A significant change. Because we talked about it last episode. Freeman reported Athanasiu might be on the trading block. We've talked about how Iserman's brought in Perlini, Ernie, waived Erickson. So he's made it very clear the status quo is not acceptable. And the status quo is getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I'm not saying there's an earth-shaking trade coming. Maybe it's not Athanasiu, but I have to think something's coming down the pipe. Maybe it's Blashill. Maybe it's another roster player. Uh, Because, again, from everything they've done this year, it's very obvious they do not want the kids up, so they are not going to be the solutions this year. I think there's a plethora of teams who would 
trade for Anthony and Mantha or not Anthony. <laughs> the, Anthony you're right Siu. about that. Yes, I guess that is true. Um, for Athanasiu, I just I think the price tag is probably going to be way too high. Well, but there are GMs who have pulled triggers on things like that before. But, but yeah, here's the question, and, and again, we're beating a dead horse from last episode, but it's what's the price of a guy who scored 30 goals in a season? Insane. And what's the price of a guy who's got five assists in 12 games? Yeah. That's why you don't trade Athens to right now, even what, if you what wanted we, to. Uh, you know what? I still I still wrap my brain, can't wrap my brain around it. What do we have in uh, Andreas Athens to I this season is so far uh, not telling of what we have, and may- I think last year was probably his, his absolute ceiling. Well, it's going to get even more complicated because if you don't trade him, which I objectively think is what they should do right now, you keep sh- him. Yeah, yeah. Where I become, we'll use the term, flummoxed. What the hell kind of contract do you give a player who's this talented but this streaky? I have no idea. I have no idea. At the end of last year, if you told me we were going to give Andreas Athanasiu six and a half million per year oh, over seven great. years, I'd be like, "Oh, amazing, fantastic!" Now, do you give him any term? I don't think so, because you get be- the best value out of players when you get them before they take off. Oh, for sure. But he's already taken off, and now I, I don't even want to say regressing because his his he's still getting chances. His top thing. In, if they go to arbitration or let's just say salary negotiation, will be you. I have no one around me. He's like I have Franz Nielsen as my centerman. Valtteri Filippo right now. Fair, but almost the same. Um, his is going to be like what? I have no one to play with. Look at what happens when I play with anyone and I have any chemistry. I score thirty goals. Um, so I, I don't know, but I think it's going to be. If it goes, if his salary negotiation goes smoothly, I will be absolutely shocked. His agent is Darren Ferris, yes, who is notorious for being the uh, we'll call toughest negotiator of the agents in the hockey world. Athanasius already held out once, and he might be the most confusing player in the NHL to give a contract to right now. Oh yeah, buckle up, folks. This one could go sideways. He might get traded just because Iserman's looking at this situation and going. I don't want to deal with this. This not that Eisenman's that type of guy. Yeah, and let's not forget, Eisenman's the guy who let Jonathan Duran sit at home instead of trading him when Duran requested a trade. Eisenman does not fold. I'm not saying that the Athens CU negotiations could go completely sideways. They could go fine, but all of the building blocks for a trade yeah. are there. A stubborn GM. A stupid tough agent, a player who's already held out, having a very confusing year after having several inconsistent years. I suppose only time will tell where uh, which road we go down. Like this has all the makings of a one-year contract. Oh yeah, but I that I don't know if one year, one more year walks him to UFA or if it's two more years. But that's going to be a fine line to walk as well. You want to? I would say minimum you want to buy some UFA years or do a one year, and he remains in RFA. That's if he remains think. in RFA after one if, year. If he, you know, at the end of the season, he's got 25 and, you know, his shooting percentage was pretty low, then uh, try and get something long-term at a, at a decent cap hit, I think, is the route to go. And he should, as a player, he should look for something long-term because he is such a streaky player. And he's 25. This is his chance to this cash is a, out. quote-unquote, his prime, almost. If I'm Andreas Athanasiu, I... 
I'm not so much concerned about what the dollars are on my cap hit. I'm going to the Red Wings and saying, I want eight years, let's talk average. Because he's the type of player. Now, not all players are created equal. Not all players age equally, et cetera, et cetera. But when we're looking at style of players, he relies so heavily on his skating. And that's not a trait that generally holds well towards the end of a player's career. The the cerebral players, uh, the big players, the Anthony Manthas are the type of guys who will age a little better because their skills will still make them useful once they slow down. It's it's a Ovechkin is the prime example. He could score goals till he's a hundred. Exactly. Athanasiu is not that type of player. Yeah. So if I'm Athanasiu, I have I'm thinking I have to cash out now. Yeah. Because if he doesn't, let's say he signs a four year contract. At 29, he might already be slowing down. He might not, but he might be slowing down at that point. And do you think he's going to get a contract at that point anywhere near what he could get now? The next four years are essentially his payday. Yeah, and so, oh, man, if, I, if I'm if i him, I'm going long-term or one year. Yeah, I, I would think I would take a little less on the cap, but guarantee the dollars. Yeah. Um, so, and here's I can't even guess what a contract would be like because I feel like every answer I think of, I can counter argue myself. And here's here's the crux of it all. If I'm Steve Eisenman, as it stands right now, I'm not giving Athens to you seven or eight years. He's, no. I'm not giving a player as streaky as and inconsistent as he is that much term. You give terms like that to your your franchise players and guys who just are automatic. 25 goal scores and just an applicator and just an applicator yeah well <laughs> automatic 25 goal scores come on <laughs> i um actually don't know this off the top of my head i'm pretty sure i know the answer but he hasn't scored this year has he not that i'm aware of oh boy I, isn't philip Hronick fourth on the team in points right now it's the he, he's up there for sure it's mantha bertuzzi tied for first larkin Hronick. i'm pretty sure <laughs> and then everybody else if there is any shining beacons on the season right there, there's your four. Let me see if I can... Uh... Every single one of those has performed fully up to expectations and then some. Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi are both uh, just under a point per game now after the game against Florida. And Larkin's just a couple behind them. And Heronic is up there. Actually, there was another one. I, I My biggest bad habit on this podcast, I realize, is I read super interesting things on Twitter or online and forget to bookmark them. But someone was posted a a comparison of Philip Hronick through his first 60 NHL games and some of the other best young defensemen in the NHL where they were at through 60 games. Hronick's right there or better than guys like Ekblad, (laughs) Haskinen, not that far behind Darlene, like uh, not that far behind Klingberg. He's holding some pretty elite company early in his career. Now, mind you, he's a, I think a 21 year old rookie, whereas some of those guys were 18, 19, 20 coming into the league. So you got to factor that in, but Philip Peronik's become everything we wanted him to be solid defensively and very gifted offensively. And yeah. Oh, speaking of defensemen, we didn't put it on the topics here. Uh, Cholosky was scratched for the Carolina game, but drew back in the Florida game. So ultimately, Blasha healthy scratched him for a pair of games and then put him back in a game where Detroit got shut out. Um, I think the one thing that really solidifies the coming out party is the playoff series. Nobody really talked about Miro Heiskanen other than 
diehard hockey fans until the playoffs last year. And then the re- the full hockey world took note on how sick he is. So Heronik's um, never going to get that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have this conversation again in about four years. Um, <laughs> I pulled up the team stats for this season. Um, Justin Applicator has three assists. He is two points behind Andreas Athanasiu. <laughs> oh, no. Um, let's go through our zero points. Biega, zero points, but come on, he's, he's new to the team. Madison Bowie has two assists. Good for him. Uh, Trevor Daly, zero points. Yep. Christopher End, zero points. Yep. Adam Ernie, zero points. Yep. Uh, Franz Nielsen, zero points. That contract's aging like milk. Uh, Brandon Pierlini, zero points, but he's played two games. Yeah. So uh, there's actually, you know, Patrick Nemeth has one goal, three assists. He's been good. That's I'm not, not going to say great, but he's been good. Uh, Joe Hicketts has one point. Tarosi has five assists. Wow. Darren Helm has four goals, one assist. He's going for the Cy Young. Yep. Uh, early in the season. Mike Green, one and one. Ugh. Valtteri Filippo, one and four. Um, Della Rose is one and three. Ooh, Cholosky's one and three. There we go. So I mean, it's it. It's bad. It's bad. It's, it's real bad. bad. That's a lot of zeros. So actually, so I did mention briefly there Cholosky drawing back into the lineup, which I think everybody listening to this would agree should have happened. Well, the whole him being scratched should have never happened. But I want to put on my tinfoil hat. <coughs> Mike Green was scratched for the game last night against Florida due to air quotations illness. Do you buy that? <laughs> Bad play illness. Because, now, if, if the Red Wings were healthy scratching him, but because he's a veteran and been around the league for a while, out of respect, they made something up so he doesn't get roasted in the media. I respect it. Oh, yeah. But do you think that's actually what happened? Because his wife is due very soon with, a, I think they're having a little girl, and he did have that illness all of last year, so... It's very likely if he would have missed that game if anyway. If it was anyone other than him, I would say the illness was made up. But he is always <laughs> ill, it seems like, in some regard. At the most convenient timing, where after the game against Carolina, the entire fan base was screaming to scratch him because how just truly atrocious he's been this season. Yeah. Now, if the illness is still lingering, and his obviously his wife is basically nine months pregnant, he has very good reasons to be underperforming right now. But here's the thing. This is the NHL. Excuses don't matter. You play or you're out. Yeah, exactly. So, whatever reason he was out of the lineup... I mean, it didn't help. The Red Wings got shut out and still allowed four goals. So, clearly... Oh, we should have had Mike Green in the lineup, an offensive defenseman. There were, i seen a concerning amount of t- tweets about that. But anyways... Um, man, we are going to... Uh, fair warning to everybody listening to this. We are going to flip out about every roster decision with the full That's understanding. That's all we have because we're not winning games. Yeah. With the full understanding, it doesn't affect much. Does Cholosky going in and Mike Green coming out really affect the team that much? No, of course not. Vice versa? No, of course not. But... What else do we have to talk about? It's something to talk about. <laughs> and But no, for guys like Cholosky, it is relevant to the long term. Oh, yeah. Is this good for his development? Because circling back to a conversation we had last episode and earlier this episode about Blashill's hot seat. I don't care about wins and losses. I care about being competitive and I care about the development of young players. Yeah. I don't feel her. I feel like Hiroshi's taking a step back this year. Uh, obviously if Cholosky's already getting scratched, that's not a good sign. No matter how you want to break that down. Uh, Athens, being inconsistent, putting up a bagel is not a good sign. Yeah. I'm just saying 
it's worth noting. How it's such a bad spot to be in because how it's hard for players to develop on a bad team with no like true all like high end talent at like one player that they can really you know look towards. It's just like how do these players truly develop when we're at a dumpster fire? And now, and Evan just answered the question for everybody wondering why Zadina, Sider, Rasmussen, Svechnikov, and all of and Valeno are all still in Grand Rapids. Like bringing, let's say we did bring them all up, and we could make that happen on a roster flexible. We had roster flexibility and could do that. It doesn't change anything. That team would get absolutely smoked because everybody's 18, 19, 20 years old. Exactly, we would get rolled just the same, and, and nobody wants. The new, pro- the young prospects getting rolled like that, and you don't want to be crushing their confidence while crushing their development. But to transition to happier notes, speaking of kids in Grand Rapids, there's a couple of them on pretty decent point streaks down there right now. Philip Zadina's on a four gamer. That's nice. And Mort Sider's on a three gamer. Also nice. That is not a bad. Th- one, th- one. This is what we need. Yes. We need any sort of silver linings to this season. I think Rasmussen's injured, so he hasn't been playing. But yeah, uh, Zadina had another goal last night off a nice one-touch feed from Moritz Sider. He's got, I think, two goals, two assists in his last four games. Yes, please. Sider's look great. Valeno's look good. Svechnikov's still catching up to speed. Grand Rapids is losing a lot of their games, but it doesn't matter. That's okay. We need these guys to be developing well, and as of late, they are. So that's a, a bonus, finally. Something to talk about. <laughs> Something positive to talk about. Because from all, everything I've read, because I think I've seen like three quarters of one Griffins game this this year outside of um, highlights, Sider's been a rock defensively. Yep. So to see the offense now coming for him is so clutch. Yeah, it's good to see the defense start. And then once he gets that confidence, uh, start leaning into his offensive game a little bit more. And Zadina is scoring goals in a variety of ways. His last two goals, one tee off the top of the circle on Freed from Sider, and the other a beautiful high tip in the slot. Yeah, so we all knew with Philip Zadina it would just be a a mental hurdle for him. Um, We knew once they started to come, they would start coming in bunches. And that's good to see. And it is, and it's nice, and it's wonderful. All right, speaking of bunches... Let's get away from the Red Wings because, honestly, outside of Zadina's cider, it's just making me sad these days. A team that is on an absolute heater, just as we all predicted, nine-game winning streak for the New York Islanders. Of course. One thing I want to point out, though, and this is why I hate everything right now. The So someone said this is the Islanders' first winning streak of this length in three 30 years and I'm like well yeah of course all those uh, team early Nothing 80s teams. dynasties yeah. and I'm like no wait that was the early 90s that was 30 years ago oh, it was god. the 89-90 season oh god that reminds me that I'm turning 30 next year you're Awful. screwed buddy it's all downhill from here it's been downhill for a while <laughs> yeah so the question and this was the question all of last year and it was the question we did our predictions at the beginning of the season and I guess it's still a question now because we're all stupid. Is yes. this Barry Trotz or are the Islanders good? Yes, I think it's both. I think one feeds into the uh, they feed into each other. I think Barry Trotz is 
far better than the general hockey world gives him credit for. And most people speak very highly of him, but I think he is a high, high tier coach at this point. How could he not be? He is the guy who finally got the Capitals a cup. He dr- now. The argument last year was, did Barry Trotz get them to the playoffs, or was it their insane goaltending that got them to the playoffs? Right. All of a sudden, they bring in another, air quotation, forgotten about goalie this year in Semyon Varlamov, and his numbers are unreal. So is Barry Trotz making good goalies with his system, his strong defensive systems, whatever you want to call them? Or is he just getting stupid lucky with the goalies? Obviously, given how long this has been going on, I'm going to say it's him. (laughs) Yeah, there's now a track record of his teams playing very good team defense and also winning. Also, having a Matthew Barzell helps a lot. The one thing that I've really noticed about the Islanders is their players are really coming into their their potential. Like, Anders Lee is sick. Uh, Brock Nelson is having a decent year. I still hate both those contracts for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, And... uh, Matt Barzell is truly being realized as a, we'll say, somewhat superstar in the league. I think what uh, what really brought around his turnaround here was uh, he switched from black tape to white on his stick, mm. which is key. Right. This uh, is why he's succeeding now. And he, for some reason, Barry Trotz gets his players to buy into what he's trying to do. Every team, it seems like, he gets he got Alexander Ovechkin to play defense. <laughs> That's pretty much all that needs to be said. If he can convince him that playing 200 feet can still lead to 50-goal seasons, then he can teach it to anybody. <laughs> that That is the real highlight of his career. Um, so the fact that that... Is it surprising the Islanders are on a nine-game winning streak? I would say yes, because I still don't believe in the Islanders, but I believe in Barry Trotz at this point. Oh, my God. How do we get one of those? Hire them when they get fired or our co- contracts are up. Remember when we could have had Barry Trotz and or Joel Quenville? Remember when we could have should have hired Gerard Gallant? Remember when we should have hired Ralph Kruger? Remember when we should have hired Ricard Gronberg in some capacity? We can still do that one. Disco Dan and Ricard Gronberg. I would I would take that for this is a throwaway season at this point. I would one hundred percent take that. Okay, I'm not getting back on that again. Yeah. Oh, I put another thing in our notes here that we forgot to mention because it was talk of the hockey world. Evan, it happened. Um, It finally happened. The NHL has a lacrosse goal. That was the first one? Ever in the NHL. And that was not the, the... parallel stick with the pressure to flip the puck up. It was like the, the, the sc- scoop. The true which, scoop. Which is a lot harder. Oh, yeah. And he did that. It was about, what, halfway through the third period when he did that? I, I've i seen it 8,000 times now. I should remember that. So it wasn't fresh ice either, which also really ramps up the difficulty And having level. like a fresh tape job with wax makes it I'll say easier. It's not easy, but it makes it yeah. easier. So the fact that it's that late in the game is uh, very impressive. And he didn't have a, sh- a ton of time behind the net to no. make it happen. No, he did not. And let's be clear about something. The lacrosse move nowadays, as it stands in the NHL, it's not a difficult move. Almost every like novice, I've watched kids in novice practice be able to lift the puck up off the ice. That's not hard to do it in those conditions in a 
they were trailing by one halfway through the third period to do it scoop style and to just have the balls. Yeah, the, you need to have the the, fir, the the it's the stones that are the biggest thing yeah. to make that happen. Because if you do it and it doesn't work, you look like the biggest donkey. Imagine that like he tried to do that and it like rolled away and like like in back into the corner or something. That would have been the low light everywhere. Well, did you see the donkey who? tried it last year and hit the crossbar and it went out the other side no yeah that's amazing it was andre suchnikov was it really this was not his first attempt at it oh i imagine he messes that up again the stakes are (laughs) higher every time you do it but it's such it's if you can get that puck on your stick it's a high percentage play because that is almost impossible for a goalie to stop unless they stand back up and they always try to but there's still the small gap was that on Bobrovsky? No, that was on um, Is it Riddick, David Riddick. Uh, oh, so they were playing Calgary. Calgary. Okay. So now here's the thing, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm angry. We have to have this conversation. Oh God. But there were, uh, it was a much larger segment of the hockey Twitterverse than I would have thought. Was having the conversation. Should that goal be legal? Yes. But he hit. He high sticked the goalie in the head. When he was putting it in, is this a safety risk, Evan? Oh yeah, yeah. You hit anyone in the face with your or helmet with your stick. Yeah, that's a penalty. But um, the when puck- when his head's below the crossbar, is it a penalty? Answer: No, it is not. I don't know the exact verbiage of what a high sticking rule is in the NHL, or I guess whatever rule book they use. Um, because I'm sure if you slash someone in the head and they were on, on their hands and knees, it would probably still be a penalty. So here's the question. And there is kind of a thing in the rule book about this, but it depends on your interpretation. Oh, okay. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it, it, it might though. Because it depends on what your interpretation of a shot is. Because as you know, if you're a defenseman and you're winding up from the point and you take a slap shot... As your stick follows through on the shot, if the defender's leaning into you to try and knock that puck away and your stick comes up and hits him in the face, it's not a penalty. Right. Because you're allowed to high stick someone if it's a follow through on a shot. Do you consider the lacrosse move a shot? Because well, at if- some point, it it's, it's a different mechanism to create a shot and at some point that puck is coming off his stick. Yeah, he is using that stick to propel the puck into the net. I consider that a shot. Yeah, I would too. So if you were standing at the top of the crease and shooting the puck into the net and your stick came up and hit the goalie square in the mask, it would count. So there's no reason this shouldn't count. Yeah. Also, this was... Super fun, cool, and creative. For the love of God, guys, just enjoy it. So it's getting banned. We don't need the anti-fun police every time something borderline comes up. It was a high-skill move at an important part of the game, and it went in the net, so it was effective. Carolina tied that game, and then five minutes later, Svechnikov scored again on the power play to give the Hurricanes a win. It mattered. If he didn't do the lacrosse move, is he gonna when Riddick's <laughs> down low with his pad jammed up against the post? There is he gonna score any other way? No. You have to go backhand sauce or backhand uh, top shelf very quick. And he nobody's gonna be able to pull that no. off from that angle. And there was another segment of the fan world that was saying, "Oh, what a BS hot dog move! Show some respect." 
respect, young man. All of those people were over the age of 50. A hundred percent of them. But again, if he did that in a 6-1 game, sure. That's, sure. Yeah, that's a different thing. Okay, I will concede that's a bit of a hot dog move. This was the tying goal in the third period. People are How? How can it be a hot dog move in that important of a situation? And I'll repeat, it went in. It was an effective play that tied the game for the Carolina Hurricanes. How is anybody upset about this? The NHL is one of the most vanilla leagues in the world. I will take anything that's exciting. Well then, Evan, have I got some luck for you. How about... A one T shot through the legs with a second left in overtime. I was going to segue into that, and I maybe it's a hot take, but I thought that was way more difficult to pull off than what Andrei Svechnikov did. It a hundred percent was. Again, like I said, the lacrosse move by itself to be able to take it and wrap it into the net isn't that difficult from a technical it, it, standpoint. Yeah, that one's more of like having the stones to do it. That's all balls. I what. Matthew Kachuk did against the Predators. So for anybody who missed that goal, Elias Lindholm is coming through the slot late in overtime. He takes a shot from the top of the slot. It hits a defender and kind of pops out to the side right as Matthew Kachuk is cruising through the hash marks. The star is aligned. The star is aligned. And the puck came to him so quickly that he didn't have time. He physically could not just get that backhand off because the puck was already going past. So he had the presence of mind to bring the stick between his legs as he's skating through the slot and one times that puck, I repeat, from the hash marks. It was absurd. And it he was puts, absurd. puts it high blocker side, top corner on Pekka Rene to give the Flames a win with two seconds left, in less than two seconds left yeah. in overtime. That is insane. From a difficult difficulty meter... That thing is above the Svechnikov goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is insane. I don't think, I do not think it's up to the level of the Blake Coleman goal because recency bias always gives us goal of the year. I still think Blake Coleman's one-hander while falling down is the king of the season so yeah. far. But from a technical aspect of, of hockey, that one is in, like, God tier. That is, I, like, I can't, I don't think I physically... You could have the, I, there could be a puck sitting there not moving with and I could practice that a hundred times and probably do that once. I was gonna say, given enough time, space, practice, and all that, I think we could probably pull that shot off a few times. I've seen you play hockey, you've seen me play. We could probably pull that shot off. Then add, you know, playing in the NHL against uh top players in the world and in overtime and with no time left. And, and in, the speed of the game. And in traffic. But to me, the truly impressive part is I don't think I, I have the mental computing power to be able to make the decision to go for that shot that quickly in that scenario. I'd have just let that puck go right through my legs before I even knew what the hell I could have done with it. Yeah. When you see the replay at ice level, it happens in an instant. It's stupid. It happens so fast. And the fact that we were able to get a, a play of that. When people do this sh- between the leg shot in a penalty shot or like down low and they come out in front of the net on a power play and roof it like David Pasternak did, 
Um, ever, that's amazing. That's but a nice. To do this in full speed, like off like a like the shot basically um, came off someone's skate. It was like bang bang in the net. It's it was, nuts. It, it was a bang bang play that took like elite tier skill to pull off. And, and again, same thing with the lacrosse move. The actual through the legs shot, like Evan was saying, where you have all the time in the world on a breakaway or whatever. There's there's tiny kids pulling that move off in practice yeah. these days. It's objectively, technically not that difficult. But all the circumstance yeah. that led to that Kachuk goal was nuts. Right now, I've got that as the second best goal of the year right behind Blake Coleman's ridiculous one-hander yeah. while falling. We, it, what a week. Crazy week in the NHL. There's been so many because... Um, what was the other crazy one that we haven't even mentioned about? I don't think it was. Oh, Sonny Milano's was a couple weeks ago where he yeah. did the through the legs at top speed through with guys on yeah, him. That one was disgusting too. Oh, there's been so many. NHL has been really exciting so far this season. I would say this is one of the most memorable starts to the season in a long time. We've had ridiculous goals. We've had uh, storylines of teams underperforming and teams overperforming. And we've seen finally some entertainment in the Pat, uh, the Reeves, Kane, uh, and the Doughty, Kachuk K- and Doughty. It, it, this has easily been one of the most exciting starts to the season in a long time. Unless you're a Red Wings fan. Oh, this is ex- it's playing out exactly <laughs> like we thought it would. It might even be worse. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> the other goal I forgot happened last night. Did you see Heischer's goal against Carolina? Uh, the, no, the but maybe du- I did. The double drag on Slavin. Oh, I did see that. that yeah, where Slavin filth. got turned around. That's what you do in, like, drags in around NHL him. games. Yeah, he literally took one of the best defensemen in the league, toe-dragged him, and then when Slavin turned that way, dragged it back the other way and just left Slavin over there yeah, and then roofed it. Also filth. So, what a... Yeah, we got lots of good things to talk about. Just not with the Red not Wings. Not Red Wings related, Not Red Wings related. Uh... I'm trying to think of things we could talk about that are Red Wings related, but that are positive because I'm I'm done with the negative for today. Yeah, I know. I'm it's, sure overtime will take care of that for us. We but, can rip on them all we want, but my God, it's no fun after a while. Oh, Scott Sabrin. Speaking that of was, no fun, I, you know, when you hit somebody in hockey, and the worst hits weren't like when you get laid out in open ice. It's the ones where you two people bodies collide and nobody moves. And yeah. that's exactly what it was. And all the, the force just rattles through your body. That's exactly what that hit was. And it was bad for one player for the most part. Because Scott Sabrin went to lay a hit on David Backus. Backus saw the hit coming, so kind of threw back a little bit. They literally went shoulder to shoulder textbook. Except when their momentums met in their shoulders, it snapped their heads together and Sabrin was out cold before he you don't the see ice. that ever really in the nhl so and then when he hit the ice he hit it face first yeah so had to be stretchered off uh latest update was that he was alert I he believe. posted something on in- his own instagram so. oh did he oh that's uh, he looks rough he looks yeah. like a bruised piece of fruit but he's awake yeah so um I, what do you say? It's awful. You hate to see those things. Your weekly uh, you feel for him, his family, because he's grinded it out for so long in the AHL, and yeah, like six or seven years or something. And then like that, now he it? finally cracks the lineup, and this happens. So speedy recovery, and hopefully he he can get back to playing hockey at some point. All this um, after Austin Matthews finally learned his name. Well, yeah, geez. Well, it's what a crazy year for for Scott Sabrin. Um, 
and unfortunately that that sort of thing has to that sort of thing happened to him so hopefully it's not too long hopefully they don't rush him back though you don't screw around with brain injuries our weekly reminder of that yeah this is also your weekly reminder that hockey is dangerous chaos and anything could happen so keep your head up kids all right you got anything else you want to talk about or should we get to overtime? um yeah something else happened but now i don't remember it um oh Lucic sucker punched uh right. what's his name suspension it's Lucic, so it is going to. If it was anyone not in his realm of let's, for the lack of a better term, thuggish level, they would probably not. But um, I think he'll get a one game. Yeah, because now what? So for anybody who missed it, uh, Cole Sherwood comes down, takes a shot on the Flames goalie. I don't know who's in that. I think it was Riddick. Riddick covers it. Sherwood takes a late shot, trying to poke it through him. It, it was late. But and it when, was deep. It was a deep jab. He was. He did not hold back on it. So uh, that is, in hockey terms, what you would call a dick move. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, someone does something slightly irritating. So Milan Lucic's natural response is to come and punch him in the face. Reminder, Milan Lucic has hands the size of frying pans. <laughs> so Sherwood, uh, as you would expect, went down. And then, of course, as... As hockey players, the intelligent breed that we are tend to do, there's a guy injured on the ice. Let's fight over top of him. Exactly. Let's have a little dance floor on top of this guy's lifeless body. Idiots. But yeah, so point being, I think Lucy should get a few games for this. It wasn't the most vicious punch we've ever seen. The problem is, what's his name? What, What was that player's name? Who did the jab? Sherwood. Sherwood. He did not defend himself. Because he wasn't expected to be to be punched in the f- he should have been <laughs> okay he should have been he shouldn't have jabbed Riddick and he should have expected something but that all being- he stood there basically like a like a mannequin and just looked like he 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 should have at least braced himself for some altercation should he have been decked in the face. I guess that's really... When you see Milan Lucic coming towards you, probably should assume that. No, but here's the thing. Should Sherwood have uh, chopped at the goalie? No. Should Sherwood have expected some sort of retaliation there? Absolutely, he should have. That all being said, if a guy is standing there with his arms at his size, you do not have the right to punch him in Certainly the face. Certainly not. If Lucic wanted to come in and give him a couple cross-checks to the chest and be like, hey, buddy... This is about to happen. Get ready. Get ready. And even if he doesn't brace himself, Lucic can ragdoll him a la Chara and McCabe. Fine. All's fair. You have to let him know that wasn't okay. You need to st- You need to have responsibility for your own personal safety out there as well, though. And yeah. he did not. But you do not get to sucker punch him in the face. Both, both of those aspects led to what happened. Yeah. I still hold Lucic responsible because he is the one throwing the punch. The severity of the after effects. Yes. That's, that's the word we need. Severity. What Sherwood did absolutely should have elicited a response. Not to that degree. Yeah. But I would definitely, if that was me who did it and he knows for sure that he took a liberty on a team's goaltender and you fart on a goaltender in the in any level there's going to be a, a bit of a scrum so when you take a big jab you got to be ready for for the aftermath regardless of who is on the ice if it's Connor McDavid or Milan Lucic you got to be ready for somebody to to grab you in some capacity um but it's if it was anybody else I don't think people would talk about it as much but since it's Milan Lucic 
and everybody hates him. And he has a history of crap like this. Yeah, so uh, I would expect at least a game. Um, Spin the wheel. (laughs) The wheel of justice is going to be spun. He does... I did see an update this morning that he was uh, given a hearing. a hearing. Was it? I didn't see if it was on the phone or in person. I don't know if. I don't think it was in person. Yeah, because in person means it can go above five games if it's not if it's phone. It, I think it can only. If he dropped his games. glove and just absolutely threw a hammer at him, then yeah, I would see that being five plus. But well, I would imagine this is much less than that. Can, Milan Lucic just retire. I'm sick of Milan. Lucic. I wouldn't retire with his contract. <laughs> oh my god, I am so. By the way, um, fun little aside. Do you remember the condition on the Lucic for Neil trade? Uh, it was something about 20 goals. It was if um, I don't know if if James Neal scores 10 more goals than Milan Lucic. I don't know if there was a certain threshold like he had to hit x amount of goals and if it was 10 more than lucic he would uh the oilers would have to send a third round pick to calgary uh jim it is currently november 3rd and james neal is 11 goals ahead of yeah i think i don't know if that one's going to be in in jeopardy i think he'll hit that one this is if you're a betting line type of guy this is going to be a safe bet. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But if the bet was games suspended versus each other, Calgary's winning this trade. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what they look for in that trade. <laughs> oh, who needs goals? No. All anyway, right. I think and that's everything we wanted to cover today. Yeah. Red Wings suck. NHL fun. Yeah, that's actually pretty much it. Yep. All right, so let's transition into overtime, which... Is sponsored by Motor City Garages. Motor City Garages, family owned and operated, servicing Metro Detroit. And obviously servicing the Winged Wheel podcast and keeping our sanity alive for the season. Thank you, Motor City Garages. Garage flooring, cabinets, overhead racks, wall storage, and car lifts. Enough of the messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful, whether you like to work on your car or if you'd like an organized space We have you covered. 3D designs and lifetime warranties. Motor City Garages. Park in style. Can we park our expectations for the Detroit Red Wings in one of the Motor City Garages? I parked mine a long time ago. In a Motor City Garage? I'll park it anywhere. Who's accepting? I'm only parking in a Motor City Garage. Anyways, thank you guys. And Overtime is also sponsored by our patrons who are guaranteed to have their questions read out every week. And since this is... Sunday, that is no exception, so I just want to talk about how prepared I am. I actually have my laptop out for this episode with Ryan not being here, and I already have the overtime thread open. Wow, we're prepared today. I'm doing this all on, like, no sleep, so for all of you who I'm sure are going to be in my mentions tomorrow, oh my god, this episode sucks, we need Ryan back, screw you, we're getting half of Evan and, like, a 20th of Brad right now. Exactly. So, anyways... Wow, we got a lot. 15 questions here. All right, so I'm going in no particular order here. So, first question comes from Haroon Khan. I believe, I don't recognize the name, so I'm going to guess he's new. I'm reading it. Yes, he's new. Welcome to the family, Haroon. He says, hey guys, new patron here. Been following this podcast for a while now and got to say thank you for giving me hope. (laughs) I've been getting torched on a weekly basis by annoying Leaf fans, and man, I've hit my limit. 
Watching fossils like daily miss open nets and helm just streaking around the ice is driving me crazy. I tell myself to not to wa- ah, I tell myself not to watch for a while, but I just can't help it. Can someone outline the positives on this team in an otherwise depressing season? Anything will help. Thanks, guys. All right, so let's blow through the positives. Dylan Larkin, still very good. Anthony Mantha, becoming very good. Tyler Bertuzzi, exceeding all expectations. Philip Ronick, legitimate top-pairing defenseman? I'd say yes. Yeah, by all accounts right now. Grand Rapids uh, youngsters, looking good. Yeah. I think that's it. Yep. Steve Eisenman is still the GM of the Detroit Red Wings. That's true. Yeah, that's that's still good too. So basically, you're watching just uh, hopefully Athens see you and Hiroshi pick it up, and hopefully the Perlini trade pan, trade pans out, and that's basically all that's worth watching. Yeah, that's it. And he also says, "Congrats, Brad. Thank you." Uh, <laughs> Rohan responded to him, "Positive the 2020 NHL draft. Also, yes, the top end of this draft is looking very good. Based right on now. our draft track record, we're gonna fall again, and I'm gonna be so rattled. We're gonna finish dead last in the NHL and somehow pick sixth. Yes, it's it's just how it works." Nathan Miller says, "Congrats, Brad. Thanks, Nathan. Matt Shaney. I'm not even gonna pretend to pronounce these like Ryan does. Uh, congrats on the on baby Hank, Brad." Where do you think he will go in the 2038 NHL draft? Uh, he's going to go first overall to the still-wallowing Detroit Red Wings. Please, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm just hoping he shoots right and decides to be an offensive defenseman <laughs> because then he's guaranteed to make the league. Yep. All right. Uh, Simon Anderson. On some rare occasions, there are more important things than hockey. I just wanted to say congrats to you and your wife, Brad. Love that your family gives Kitchener a Scandinavian touch with the name Henrik. Tank for Hank 2038. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Thank you, Simon, and that might be my favorite comment ever. Tank for Hank 2038. It's got it's got a ring for it. it ring does. to it. All right. Liz B. So I think it's safe to assume they will have at minimum three more seven plus game losing streaks. Can't wait to pick sixth in the draft again. Liz, I felt that comment on a spiritual level. Yes. All right. Uh, Dustin Sneath. Hey, guys. Congrats, I think, to Brad. Correct. Thank you. Uh, I'm a new patron and recent subscriber. Wow, welcome to the family, Dustin. After my first kid two years ago, I started to lose track of the wings, and living in Chicago makes it even harder to keep up. Your show has really helped me get back on track, so thank you. All that said, here's my question. With all the talk about Blash being in the hot seat, do you foresee the team ever taking a chance on an AHL coach again or sticking with NHL veterans from here on out? And if they were to take the chance, who's your dream coaching pick from the AHL or lower? Oh, my God. So I'm going to assume AHL lower means anything outside of the NHL or someone who has no experience. Now, that being said, do I think that they'll take a chance on a coach outside of the NHL again? I do. Let's not forget one of the best coaches in the NHL right now is John Cooper. And Steve Eisenman's the one who brought him to Tampa Bay, and he plucked him from the AHL. So Eisenman mm-hmm. has done this before, and it worked out. My, We've mentioned this 100, 100 times on this podcast, but I like progressive thinkers. I like going outside the box. And uh, if we're going outside, I'm looking at Europe, and I'm bringing in Ricard Gronberg. Yeah, the problem with the NHL is they just recycle coaches. 
until you're blue in the face. It's the it old would, boys club. Oh yeah. If that if there's any more iconic display of that, it's it's coaching. It would be nice in having spoken with Ricard Gronberg, understanding what his philosophy is as a coach. It's almost lines up hand in hand with what the Wings need to accomplish with their youth uh, youth players and their prospects. Now that all being said, if there's a top end NHL coach that gets fired this year. Yes, please. By all means, like if it goes south for uh, Minnesota with Bruce Boudreau, I take oh, a, yeah. I take a look at that. Obviously, a couple of the big names like Gallant, Quenville, etc., and Trots aren't going anywhere. But there's enough coaches around the NHL. Mike Babcock. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there's enough coaches around the league that are good coaches on the hot seat right now that I. I'd, I'd take a swing sure. at Boudreaux's the one I'm looking at that if he becomes available, I would take a long, hard look at. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Justin. Next up, Evan Beckner. Congrats on the baby. Too bad number 40 will be in the rafters when Henrik suits up for the wings in 2038. That's okay. I don't think number four is retired yet, and he can't wear his dad's number because his dad is number 19, and that's also in the rafters. All right. So A. Wood posted a video of all the Griffin highlights in October. After watching the whole thing, Cider has taken one, the has taken the number one prospect spot for me. He doesn't look like a teenager on the ice. He's smooth and makes decisions quickly. Also, how come his physical play wasn't in the scouting report? We all heard he was smart and decisive, but he put a guy into his bench twice in the same video. On top of that, there were many instances where guys took runs at him only to find themselves staring at the ceiling. Very excited for his nine games this season. Yes, please. Uh, I don't have Cider as the Red Wings' number one prospect right now. I don't even know if I have him as the number two, but I could absolutely hear the argument for number one because I don't think there's a huge gap between Zadina Valeno and him. My we pr- need the forward prospects as mu- more than our defensive prospects, even and though we need a lot of defense We help. need a, We need a transitional uh, goal scorer right now, and yeah. Zadina is that. I still have Zadina one. I think I have Cider 2 and Valeno 3 right now. Again, I think all three of them are interchangeable based on how good they're playing any given week, yep. which is a good problem to have. Um, but yeah, and his physical game, his physical game was talked about. I don't think we talked about it on here, admittedly, a ton because it wasn't the part of his game that got us the most excited. But he is a physical freak. He's only 18. He's already over 200 pounds and built. I think the first time the conversation really started happening was at the prospect tournaments when he basically laid out a full steam Kirby Doc. A couple times. Yeah. yeah who Kirby Doc who is massive. Yeah. And and Cider what's uh, what's the politically politically correct term here? Owned him. Yes. So yeah. Cider is looking very very good and like we talked about earlier yeah that offensive side might be rounding out now. Yep. All right, next up, we have Advanced Water. Congrats on the baby. I met another baby, Henrik. Well, that makes the only other one I know of. <laughs> when the Wings played the Ducks, I had my Zetterberg jersey on, and the kid next to me wouldn't stop grabbing at the 40. Chatted with the parents for a bit. Now for the question. Have the veteran players given up? It feels like some players, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Chaloski, etc., are giving it their all, but so many other players just seem like they're getting that they're just standing in the ice until their shift is up especially in their own zone. I know losing so many games has to be demoralizing, but they but they're going to keep on losing if they don't go after the puck. When you're bad, it makes it look like you don't care because you can't drive any play. Yeah, as much as we dump on the abdicators and helms of the world, I don't think there's anything wrong with their 
effort level. They are just incapable of doing the things they These want to do. These are professional athletes who have a competitive level higher than 99% of the human population. They're definitely trying. It's just that they don't have the ability to make it look like they can. And I actually don't have an answer for it, but when you see them standing around the zone in the zone, there could be two reasons for that that aren't effort-related. One, they're near the end of the shift and their legs are just toast. Or Blash Hill's system. employing some kind of uh, clog of the middle system, which it, it's not super That's uncommon. That's what bad teams do. <laughs> yeah, because he knows that it, it could be a case where he knows if a guy like Abdulkader challenges a guy one-on-one, he might get burned. We and have, now it's an odd man situation. We have so. a, a less than five players who can com- do the, the track meet style hockey. Yeah, so that, that could be another reason. I I, I don't think there, there's a couple players who I've I've... I will question their effort level when we've talked about them, but I, I think it's a very small minority. Yeah. All right. Next up, Rowan. G'day, dud duds. Minus the most popular talkie show host. So, hockey is heaps bad and stuff, but never fear. We're about to segue to rugby. Oh, God. <laughs> what a World Cup final we had with South Africa emerging victorious in a fascinating game that I felt they were pretty much always in control of. The whole tournament has been an overwhelming success. Can't wait for the next one. If you get a chance, check out Sia Kulisi's post-game interview as the winning captain. It was as good as the game, if not better. The day I, w- I watch a rugby game is the day that it's a successful World Cup. <laughs> okay, okay, hockey. Well, it was a big couple of days for Brad with his beloved Stars winning twice and his side team, the Carolina Hurricanes, emerging victorious against our Red Wings as well. So, Brad, are you a fan of any other teams? Are there more photos of you that listeners need to be aware of? We demand answers. Oh, I own, I think, jerseys of at least 12 different teams. So probably. Jersey time. Opinions on the Nashville Winter Classic jersey. When you have incriminating photos of yourself in different teams' jerseys, hide them away from prying eyes using Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier company and safe haven for evidence that can come back to bite you. Hashtag SFCB. Uh, Evan, I'm assuming you've seen the Nashville jerseys so far? Yes, I did. Love the jerseys, hate the text. Yeah, they're pretty simple. If they had went with that Sabretooth logo in the middle instead, I'd have loved the jerseys far more from an aesthetic standpoint. That being said, apparently I was reading that the the, the way the text is written on the chest is a callback to some uh, a team in Nashville that played if you have to ex- ago. If you have to explain it like that, nobody's going to get it. Exactly. Outside of people from Nashville, maybe. Yeah. But so aesthetically, I love the jersey. Don't love the logo. I get it. I respect it. But I would have just much rather had the shoulder patch logo, the saber tooth on the chest. If people only sort of hate it, that means it's a win for a jersey. Because every time... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. There's only like... A small, minute number of jerseys where t- people are like, I need this in my blood right now. Everyone else just dumps on New Jersey's. This and is New Jersey. Tr- and New Jersey this year, especially. Jack Hughes is heating up. We didn't talk about that. He's got like seven points in five games or something like that. Who knew it took time to get used to playing at the NHL level? And also on a small uh, aside, too, I forget what stat it was. I think it was just uh, Gar or War or something like that. Capocacco has statistically been the worst player in the NHL this year. Really? Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard... Uh, anything about him nope so hey rookies young hockey hard more at six all right next up we have matt mckay hey there guys love the interview with lidstrom but it got me thinking 
If you could interview one hockey player throughout all of history, who would it be? Thanks for all that you do, and cheers to the 2020 draft. Anyone in hockey history? Yeah. I feel like any answer is going to be perceived as the wrong one. It, there's no right or wrong answer here, Evan. Oh. Just from a fascinating conversation standpoint, who would you want to talk to? Oh, God. That is tough. Um, man, as much as I would like to like just pick someone like Maurice Richard or Gordie Howe's brain, I would love to have a conversation with Bob Probert. Bobby Probert, that would the be a good one. The stories would be amazing. But it wouldn't be that like golden era talking about someone who's well versed and like fully understands the the picture of hockey. Um, but the story it would make for an amazing episode. The the guy I would want to talk to the most, we don't even know his name. I want to talk to the first person to ever play hockey i want to know my why my life is the way it is and why we are so obsessed about guys who strap knives to their feet and go hit something on the ice with a stick you just think of the first person to ever do that what was going through his head hey this lake's frozen i'm literally going to go in the kitchen grab a couple butcher's knives i'm going to throw them on my feet let's tie these tight i need a stick and i need something to hit while i'm on the ice it Definitely started somewhere very cold where winter sucks and probably a few drinks because no sober person would ever think that that's a good idea. And yet here we are. Yeah. I have to know. I've read a lot of the origin stories of hockey, but there's nothing ever been about the guy. Yeah. This was the, the guy that started all. Yeah. The, <laughs> the original guy. Yeah. who We've got a lot of them and they owe us to tell us who the father guy was because like basketball had james naismith so you could just go talk to james naismith we don't have a james naismith in hockey. yeah there is one somewhere somewhere we at just some don't know point who he is time. and i'd want to talk to him yep all right linda hull congrats again to you brad you have an adorable family thank you is it safe to say you won naming rights uh crystal liked the name it was in her top three we eventually narrowed it down to two names. Uh, Henrik was my top, and Crystal had a different name at her top. Um, since Henrik was in her top three, and her top one wasn't even in my top ten, we kind of just... Rank, it's ranked voting. Yeah, ranked voting. The the culmination of the, the math we used uh, led to Henrik, because Crystal, for those who haven't been listening long enough to hear a lot of the Crystal stories, she is also a... Big, big, big Red Wings fan. So she was not opposed to a hockey name at all. And her favorite player outside of the Red Wings is Henrik Lundqvist. So it, was, it wasn't it was a stretch for her to to come to my side. Uh, and Linda follows with, do you think Blashill is capable of protecting the morale of this team? Watching each game, it seems like heart and effort on the ice are in a steep decline. That concerns me the most. I mean... Last year, the Red Wings were bad, but they also led the league in one goal games. So I don't know what changed from last year to this year. The team is largely the same. He's still the same coach. So I don't know if it's just over time, he's slowly losing the room or if somehow this team is even worse than last year. Yeah, but that's all. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't have an answer because from the question of do I think he's capable of protecting the morale of his team? Yeah, he did it last year. Yeah, so he's done it once. I don't know what changed, but something has. 
All right, next up we have Garrett TV. All right, congrats to Brad. I look forward to overaged Hank Crisco saving the wings from a 20-year rebuild process in the 2038 draft. Thanks, Garrett. Me too. Uh, I have mostly a comment, not a question, but perhaps you can provide some thoughts. Sorry if this gets ranty. Basically, I've never been supportive of spreading talent down the lineup when your team is bad. There is really no reason to take, say, a second or third line from an from absolutely terrible to only sort of terrible. It does nothing for the team. Anyway, that's what Blashill has decided to do, and now it's crushing our top line's effectiveness. And of course, this poor run if poor run if form has of form of form yeah i was gonna say has seen the most consistent line configurations in two seasons why now stop the blender the lack of chemistry and effectiveness is really killing mentally you can see it everywhere at least for the first few games if the season we had a top line clicking we had a top line clicking sorry i might bring i can barely (laughs) actually focus on the words right now let alone read them Now we have nothing. I can handle losing. I can't handle guys not showing up motivated and the team making the same poor mistakes nightly. Aside from Philip Ronick, what has gone right for this team in the past two weeks? It's rough. And this is where good coaching becomes essential. Sadly, I don't think we have it. Let's go Red Wings. Uh, We touched about it on the positives. I think it was Haroon was asking about what the positives are. So I kind of touched on that. I kind of agree with you in one sense, Garrett, but kind of disagree. I don't mind spreading the talent around, but I'm a fan of having a distinct top six and bottom six. I think your six best forward should be in the top six and you can spread them out there however you want. So I don't hate Mantha dropping down to the second line to play with Athanasiu because as we've seen, there actually is a bit of chemistry between them. Ideally, you'd have a centerman much better than Val Philpola in between them. Same with Bertuzzi and Larkin. I think they can succeed without Mantha, but ideally it would be someone other than Darren Helm. So I know all offseason we were talking about how badly the Red Wings needed a top six center and a top line winger. Here's exactly why. Um, Would I have Helm in that spot right now? No, probably not, but whatever. We're splitting hairs. But yeah, no, it's it's frustrating. I'd rather see a Hiroshi or a Perlini, someone objectively better than Darren Helm in that slot. Yeah. But we don't have anybody good to throw there. Yeah, you know, when you find... prolonged chemistry with one line or a couple lines i would prefer that they stay 90 percent intact throughout the season um because chemistry is a very hard commodity to come by although i i do agree with you that it is absolutely perplexing that blashill throws the lines in a blender seemingly every game until he hits a massive losing streak and now he's leaving it you're absolutely right and it makes no damn sense that's kind of the opposite of what you would think you would do (sighs) frustrating anyways And last Patreon comment that we have, at least at the time of me reading this, Don Mitchell says, do any of you know why Rasmussen and Larson haven't been playing the last few games? Congrats on the baby. Hope mom and baby are happy and healthy. Cheers, Don. Thanks, Don. Mom and baby are both very happy and healthy. Uh, I, I don't know why Larson hasn't been playing. He's the backup goalie, so he might just be sitting there. I don't actually know if he's even been dressing. I... No, Rasmussen has been nursing an injury, but off the top of my head, I cannot remember what it is for the life of me, which is par for the course for Michael Rasmussen, who seems perpetually injured. And actually, Philip Larson's had a run of injuries over his short hockey career thus far, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's injured too. And now let's pop over to Reddit, because I think we have a few questions there. don't know if we'll read them all, because we are running longer than I thought. I was... 
I wasn't sure me and Evan would hit an hour, but here we are. Yep. All right. <laughs> so uh, Wyman856 goes, how old will baby Henrik be before his first win in his lifetime? Might be, uh, might be a couple weeks. He might have a beard by that time. <laughs> a Zetter beard? He might. He might have Hank's beard. And then uh, Jarvik7, hi guys, how much longer before it's time to bring out the pitchforks demanding Blash to be fired? Do you think there is a better available coach out there who can make this team better? Uh, I think that's already happening. I think there is, and I think it's Gronberg. Or Bilesma. Bilesma's the more likely, because as we <laughs> talked about last episode. Interim. Uh, yeah, interim tag. So, not a lot on Reddit this week, so there we go. Uh, one more. Pricey D, which current player would you love to interview the most? Current player? Current player. Probably Dylan Larkin. You th- like? Do you think his an interview with Dylan Larkin about the team right now would just be him sobbing into a microphone for an hour and a half? Probably. They, I, they, wait, the question was current player on this team? He just said current player. He didn't specify. Oh. We got to. Oh, man. We got to get someone who will give us good sound bites. Oh, Ryan Reeves. He'll give us some amazing sound bites right now. And the rest of the hockey world would take note that our podcast exists. <laughs> because they would have to credit us for those sound bites. If, if, I, if I want to do an interview just from a purely interesting standpoint, assuming the player would actually give us some answers... Brad Marchand. Oh yeah, that would I be good would. Too. I would love to get inside that guy's head just to see because I I swear to God he just does it on purpose and he knows what he's doing. I I don't think Marchand like I think he's he he probably is still himself off the ice, but I don't think it's to the same extreme. No, I don't think so either. I would love. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, that would be good. Current one. Red Wing, I'd probably say Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi would be good too. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up this episode of the winged wheel podcast so is ryan gone next episode too uh oh yeah no he's he's not no he's gone for the midweek he's gone for a whole week Uh, my question was is he gone for another episode oh gone for another episode is what you're saying i believe he is typically that's how it works i think he goes monday to or today to next sunday i don't know i didn't listen he was saying a bunch of stuff he was way over his word count and i stopped listening (laughs) That sounds about right. Sorry, one sec. I'm trying to pull up our name level sponsors here, but my computer is freezing on me. Yeah, no free ads for uh for this laptop company. No, they are getting no. They are absolutely awful. All I can tell you, I'll Arjun Shanker. <laughs> yeah, run through as many as you can off the top of the head. I can't remember any of them. Right at this point of the podcast, I'm already tuned out. We're already tuned out. No. Uh, Your laptop sounds like a it, jet engine. It's right taking now. off right now. I'm trying to think. Is there a way I can pull it up on the? People are gonna think your furnace started, but it's <laughs> just your laptop struggling to live and do computations. I'm just trying to see if there's a way I can pull this up on my phone, but it's not working. So, uh, to our name level sponsors, guys, it might not be happening today. I truly apologize. I'm trying to see. I don't think the app. I don't think I'm even logged in on my phone. See, this is why I need to bring my laptop. No, I'm uh, I'm scrolling through the app right now and uh, the Patreon app is not good. Hold on. Hold on. You got it? You got it? Mm, No, I'm not logged in. Oh! Let's see. Oh my god, it needs to verify my device because Ryan has to do two-factor authentication on all of our accounts. So, once again, this is Ryan's fault. 
Is your laptop working? It's working now, but I got to get back here. Oh, my God. I've got it. I got it. I got it. I just got to sort. What is, What kind of amateur goddamn podcast is this? Anyways, we would like to spo- to thank our name-level sponsors, Luke Jar- Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Ryan Lewis, Sean Levine, Matt McKay, Hannah Lee, Kalen Wood, Jacob Turner, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Antonio Lupu, Rob Thiel, Craig Kibble, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Simon Anderson. Thank you all so much. We are sorry there was a delay on that. We're not good at this. It's also sad that I only remembered one of those names. <laughs> I had most of them, but I wasn't about to. I feel like it would have been worse had I, I mentioned like 75% of them because then the last 25% yeah. would have just felt really left out. So now for me, it's only one person. Is that happy. person feels extra special. Yes. I would if had I done it, I, I would have just been an asshole. Exactly. So we're we're all good. We're uh we're making it through Ryanless. I would say we did a passable job today. Especially given that we are barely functioning today. Yeah, I blame children and daylight savings time. I blame the schools. See you Wednesday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.